All right. Good to see you guys today. Uh, happy, ha I guess that's what you say, happy Halloween weekend. Do you say that? I don't know. It's Halloween. So there's that. How many of you go all in for Halloween? You're, you're all in. I know some of you, like, you're crazy. There are people in our neighborhood. I mean, they got decorations out. We got cobwebs everywhere. We got spooky things and lights. And some of you do all the, the costuming and, and you do uh, candy and the whole deal. You're all in. Man, when I was growing up, I, we only did like candy. That was the only thing we did on Halloween. But, but we would go out, me and my friends, and we would just hit the whole neighborhood. We'd go uh, like half a mile away, hitting home. We'd come back when we had filled up whatever we were carrying with candy and we would dump it out, right? And then we would go make another journey. And then when I think about it, like I don't ever remember my parents or an adult being with us ever. <laughs> you remember this? Like back in the day, it was like, hey man, yep, go have fun. Try to come back. Don't die. <laughs> and that was it, you know? And, and now like when my kids are growing up and they're little, Lori and I are crazy, right? We're like, well, we don't know those people. Can we go up to their door? I don't know. Are they, you know, do they poison the candy? I'm not sure, you know? And so we were like really careful going around, getting all the candy, right? And then we take it back to the house. They can't eat it immediately. We pour it all out on the counter and we inspect it and go through. And really what's happening is I'm pulling the whoppers to the side. I'm like, that's right. That's dad payment right there. So it's a different world for sure, but um, it can be a fun, a fun holiday. Uh, the only real tradition we have in our family is this thing that we do called um, Pumpkin Picasso Night. And so before Halloween, there's always a time when my wife goes out and gets pumpkins and we all paint these pumpkins, which she's kind of an artist and my daughter's an artist. Ethan and I, we're just kind of hacks and then they come behind us and clean it all up. But these are our pumpkins from this year. Uh, we already did it and we did uh, villains this year. And you can tell that that is Lori's artistic ability happening right there. Um, but that's kind of our only family tradition. Halloween can be a fun time. It's supposed to be like a scary holiday, right? It's all about spooky, scary stuff. And when I think about it, I don't need Halloween to get scared. <laughs> all I need to do is watch the news. Right, all I need to do is just look around at our world and things that are going on in our world and, and that fear is right there. I don't need a whole holiday for this, y'all. But uh, we, do, we do face a lot of different fears in our lives. I think all of us at some level fear something and we have different seasons where maybe we fear for a loved one or fear for our kids and, and their future. Maybe we just fear for kind of our own work situation or for our health or we, uh, we fear for big things that feel out of our control, the economy or uh, sort of just the whole ecosystem of the globe. I mean, there's a lot of things to fear in our world. But fear, it, in, in many ways, it's kind of anchored in this idea of, uh, of being vulnerable and of things being out of our control. And it causes us to pull back. Fear looks at a situation and says, man, the worst is bound to happen. And so we've been stopping um, last week, this week, kind of going forward, talking about the power of hope. Because as people of faith, we have every right to be hopeful even in the face of fear. Hope looks at the same situation and says, even if the worst happens, God's best is still to come, right? 
And so hope doesn't deny reality, but it gives us the ability to face reality with an optimistic perspective because of who God is. We've said our hope isn't based simply on positive thinking or just like trying to believe the best. Our hope is based on God's word, which tells us that God is still good. He's still moving. He's still gracious. He's still in control. He still has a plan. And that's what gives us hope. So even when you fear the worst, God can do his best. So I want to talk to you today about how we face some of those fears with the hope of God. And to do it, I want to go to this old story in the Bible. It's inspired people for thousands of years. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, these three teenage Hebrew boys, they found themselves in this really awkward situation. They basically had been taken as captives from Israel into Babylon. This is what they would do. They would raise up talented young minds, and then they would deploy them in leadership positions in their kingdom. And so they're in leadership positions in Babylon, but they're Hebrew boys. And King Nebuchadnezzar has this moment where he builds this gold statue and he calls everybody together at this dedication of this big statue and he says, hey, when the music plays, I want everybody to bow down and to worship at the statue. And so kind of everybody does it and they bow down and they worship. But, you know, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are like, mm, no, no, no bueno. Like, we're, we're not in. And... It's not like he notices at first, but some people come and rat them out. They're like, hey, the Jews, you got these Jews, king, and they won't bow. And some of them are even in leadership in the Babylon province. So he calls them in before him, and he says, look, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down. And if you don't bow down, it's going it's to get ugly. Check this out. Daniel chapter 3 beginning in verse 15, we get to the red word, say it real loud here with me. It says, this is Nebuchadnezzar. He says, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing what? Furnace. Into the furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? And so here are these three boys. All of a sudden, they go from just kind of making a, a spiritual moral decision in their life. They didn't ask for this. And now they're thrown into a situation where things are heating up. Now they're facing the furnace. Anybody feel like things are heating up in your life right now? Some of you, you know, like, like your family dynamics are heating up. Work tensions are heating up. You're like relations. Man, the cowboys are heating up. I will say that. Just a side note. They're hot right now. Just throwing that out there. Even the Raiders. Come on, man. But some of you right now, if you're honest, it's getting hot. Things are heating up, and you aren't sure what to do with that heat. Look, hope is looking past the situation in our life to the God who is above it and beyond it and drawing resources from him. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do this so well. First thing you can do when things start heating up is remember who God is. Just remember who God is. Because we all face these moments that cause us to have fear and anxiety. Like just a couple weeks ago, um, my daughter Emma, who's in college in San Diego, drove on her own with her girlfriends to Los Angeles and they were going to a concert of like her favorite band that was sold out at the LA Forum. Everything about this makes me afraid. The idea of my daughter driving, I still view her as like five, even though she's an adult, you know, 
and she's a great driver, but it makes me nervous. You know, I'm like, she's out there. It's not even her, it's the crazy people in LA. You know, they're driving everywhere now, and they're going to a place they don't know. And then to make things worse, like a friend of mine went to that same concert, and before the concert started, he sent me this picture by text message, and he had, the little arrow was in the picture, and the text said, your daughter is in there somewhere. And I just felt the fear, you know, like, oh God, please. Don't let her get killed in the mosh pit, you know, like, just bring her home, get her back safe. And that fear is real, it creeps into our lives in a lot of different ways. But when I was thinking about that moment and how I felt that fear start to rise up in my life, the simplest thing helped me deal with that fear. I was talking to my wife, Lori, and I just said, Gosh, you know, it's funny. I, I get so worried about Emma. Um, but by the time I was her age, I had done so much more. I'd already been through drug addiction. I was on the other side of that. I'd already worked a half dozen, a dozen jobs. I started working when I was 14. I don't know. I'd driven across half of America by then. I'd wrecked two cars by the time I was her age. One my family knew about and one I kept secret. I was showing my friends how well I could navigate things in reverse, right? And I didn't realize that the road literally ended and I went off the road into the ditch. We pushed it back up and it, it drove, y'all. It's a little wobbly, a little tight on the steering wheel, but shh, no problem. And I was talking to her and I just thought, man, the only way I got through high school is because God is good. The only way I got through college is because God is good. The only way I made it to this place in my life is because God is good. The only reason I ever met Lori and married way out of my league and able, was able to have these kids that I stress out about, it's because God was so good. And the same God who was good to me will be good over her life as well. I can remember who God is and it can help me rest in that over my kids. He's responsible for my kids because they're his kids. So it doesn't mean that crises can't happen and tragedies can't happen and wrecks can't happen and bad things won't. Look, that's not what it means at all, but it does mean that I have a, a faith that whatever happens in my family, good, bad, difficult tragedies, none of it happens without the awareness of my heavenly father who at his core, I believe is good. And so how do you deal with fear when it starts heating up? Cause some of you are like, it's getting, it's getting hot in here. I'm not gonna keep going because that wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> you gotta remember who your heavenly father is. You know what's fascinating about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That was not their original names. Um, they were kidnapped at a young age. They were forced to serve in the government of Babylon, who was their conqueror. And um, they were given new Babylonian names at the time, uh, maybe to make them forget their past or to forget their culture or to forget sort of uh, where they came from. But their original Hebrew names were these, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were their original names. And check out what they meant. 
Those names, Hananiah meant God is gracious. Uh, Mishael meant who is like God. And Azariah meant God has helped. So, so their original names reminded them of who God was. And even when their names were changed, they didn't forget who God was. They remembered that he was gracious and he was powerful and he was good even when they faced the fire. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. It's this passage that's the most quoted passage throughout the Old Testament, referenced again and again and again because it's the place where God reveals his own character in his own words. And uh, it's fascinating. Check it out. Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 6. It says, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of what? God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I mean, this is how God describes himself. This is how God describes his character. He's a God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He's a good God. And so we can hang on to that. When you're in the midst of struggles, don't let your struggles define your view of God and his love and goodness. Let his love and goodness define how you view your struggles, right? See, who God is matters more than what what may have happened. Who God is matters more than how things have turned out. Who God is matters more than what others have done. Who he is matters more than maybe how you failed or more than whatever has you scared. Who he is matters more than what people say cannot be done. Who God is matters more than how you feel about your future because God's character determines your destiny. His character. So you'll get what you need because of who God is. Come on, somebody. You have a future because of who God is. You're going to laugh again because of who God is. You're going to smile again because of who God is. You're going to find justice because of who God is. You're going to find purpose because of who God is. You're going to find forgiveness because of who God is. And one day you're going to meet your Savior and he's going to wipe every tear from your eye. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because of who he is. Remember who God is when it starts heating up. Here's another thought, and that is to then declare your faith, to declare your faith. So Nebuchadnezzar calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. He says, look, you got to bow or you're going to burn, right? Throws down the gauntlet. And listen to their response. It's so good. Daniel chapter 3, beginning of verse 17. They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God whom we serve is able to save us. So they're like, God can take care of this. God can take care of anything. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But what? Even if, you see this? But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So, look at that phrase, even if. You know, a lot of people have an if-then kind of faith. (laughs) God, if you'll bless me, then I'll serve you all my days. God, if you'll take care of me, then I'll be faithful to you. God, if you'll just let me date this girl, I'll go to church. God, if I could just get this job, I'll give back financially. 
And it's kind of this if-then sort of relationship. But as we grow in our faith, we get to a place, hopefully sooner rather than later, where our faith moves from if-then to even-if. Even if faith says, God, I'm going to serve you, even if I don't get my miracle, God, I'm going to follow you, even if my life doesn't play out like I had hoped, God, I'm going to worship you, even if I struggle at work, or even if I get laid off, or even if the marriage dissolves, or even if the kids turn out to be kids, even if. And that's where these three Hebrew boys, they're like, God, we're going to follow you even if. God, I pray that you'll heal the person I love. But, but even if you don't, I will still follow you and love you. I pray you'll do a miracle in my finances. But even if you don't, I will still believe that you can provide. I pray you give me clear guidance. But even if you don't, I know that you are leading me. I pray that you save me or my family from the fire we are facing. But even if you don't, I know you are mighty to save. And so sometimes we got to step back when we're facing fear and just declare that our faith isn't a negotiated if-then faith, but it is an even-if faith. And we just declare, God, we're going to follow you no matter what. First time God introduced himself to Moses, he said, his name is I am, which is kind of an amazing state. It's like, hey man, you know, who, do I, who am I supposed to say your name is? And God says, I am is sending it, which isn't very helpful when you think about it. It's like, okay. And I kind of think part of the dynamic is God saying, look, Moses, you can't, don't even try. Like you can't comprehend, you can't fathom, your little itsy bitsy teeny weeny brain is not going to be able to get all this. All you need to know is I am, I was, I will be, I am is sending you. And he's the one that we need. Declare your faith and face your fear. And they may be real, but acknowledge who God is. Some of you feel right now like you're just not strong enough. You say, look, I, I can't see how things are going to work out. But God is I am. And I am prepares your future. You say, look, I can't seem to get any traction or make any progress. God says, I am moving and working. You say, I can't control the outcomes. God says, I am working all things together for good. You say, I, I just don't know if I'll be able to handle what's coming. God says, I am with you always. You say, I can't see a way that this gets better. God says, I am your guide. You say, I can't guarantee that we're going to have what we need in the future. God says, I am your security. You say, I'm so scared for my health for my life. God says, I am the resurrection and the life. So declare your faith. He's in control. He's still saving people. And he is still good. He is still good. What do you do when it starts heating up? Remember who God is. Declare your faith and then find God in the fire. Find God in the fire. So check this out. Nebuchadnezzar is so triggered by the denial of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he has them heat up the furnace to seven times hotter than usual. I mean, this dude's having a meltdown. It's a furnace. He's like, crank it up. In fact, 
They heat it up so hot that the guards that take them to the furnace are killed by the, the radiant heat. So it's crazy town. And ultimately, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fully bound in ropes, fall into the furnace. They get thrown in. And I always think we should stop there because, you know, when you tell this story, people want to jump to the end that God rescues them. But hey, God sometimes allows his people to fall into the furnace, right? He doesn't save them from the fire. Sometimes he saves them through the fire. Listen, sometimes, that was a good one. Hey, sometimes the miracle doesn't happen before the furnace, right? Right, it's sometimes it happens in the furnace. Some of you right now, you're, some of you are, feel like you're facing a furnace. Some of you feel like you're in the furnace, right? You're, you're right there. You're there. Somebody needs to hear this today. You're not in the fire. You're not in the furnace because you lack faith. You're not being punished. You're being purified. Listen, God didn't deny you a miracle. Sometimes he delays the miracle, but look for him to show up because it's in the fire that God can do some of his greatest work in our life. He's not finished with you just because you're in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar comes up and he gets as close as he can looking into the furnace. And um, as we see in our story, this is what he says. Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 25. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire. What? Unharmed. Unharmed. What? And the fourth looks like a god. So he has this moment, he's like looking in, they're thrown in the fire, but because God meets them in the fire, they're walking around freely. And so the king is amazed by what he sees. And um, he basically calls to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he tells them to come out. And when they do, it says their clothes are not singed, their hair is not singed, they still have their eyebrows, hello. The author says that, that they don't even smell like smoke, which is a crazy thought. And so the king declares in this moment that no one in the kingdom should ever speak a word of disrespect against the God that they serve, who is, quote, the most high God. And then this moment, maybe the best line in the whole story, King Nebuchadnezzar says, quote, there is no God who can rescue like this. There's no God who can rescue like this. Life is filled with uncertainty. And I know what some of you are facing is scary and it's real, but never forget there is no God who can rescue like this. I know somebody today, I know somebody's got no idea how to pay the bills and it seems like there's no way out, but there is no God, there is no God who can rescue like this. I know some of you, your heart is breaking for a child who doesn't listen. They won't listen to reason. They just do their own thing. They run in the wrong direction. And you don't see it ending in anything but heartbreak. But listen, there is no God who can rescue like this. Some of you have been so unhappy in your job for so long. You need the money. Your family needs the money. You feel like there are, there's just no way that things can ever get better. But there is no God who can rescue like this. Some of you, you've been wrestling with drugs, drinking, 
porn. It's taking a toll on your body, on your family. You've tried to stop so many times and you've failed. And maybe you feel like there's just not a lot of hope, but there is no God who can rescue like this. Some of you have lived with depression and anxiety for so long. You think you will never feel joy or peace again, but there is no God who can rescue like this. Listen, things may get unhinged, but you can still come out unsinged. I worked on that one. He can form us in the fire and he can do a miracle in the fire. In fact, the one thing the fire burned off were the very ropes that bound them. Sometimes when when it starts heating up, and it gets hot, God can use those seasons to actually burn off the things that we need to get rid of so that we can walk in a greater sense of freedom. So whatever you fear in your life, you gotta look at it and acknowledge it's real and that fear is there, but I'm also gonna remember who my God is and I'm gonna rest in who he is. Bad things may happen to me and my family But none of it, I believe, will happen without first passing through the hands of my loving Father. I'm going to declare my faith. I'm not in some kind of negotiated relationship with God. If you bless me, then I'll serve you. I'm all in. Even if you don't bless me, I will serve you. Even if you don't show up, I will serve you. I'm declaring my faith today. And then you're going to find God in the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says, you know, there were three that we threw in, right? And now there's a fourth. It's the greatest promise of the Bible mentioned more often than any other promise. God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. He doesn't promise to take us out of all of our problems, but he promises to be with us even in our problems. And all of that can help turn the fear down. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith in your life to just declare God as your Savior and Lord. And I'd love to give you an opportunity just to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and to trust him in your life. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if we uh, confess with our tongue that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And so that simple faith direction can be so life transforming for you in your life. If God's been tapping you on the shoulder, if you know he's been calling you to come home to him, I'd love to give you an opportunity to just reach out to him and ask him to move and work in your life. So would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating a simple prayer after me, either out loud or just in your own heart and mind. We just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me. Just 
before, to say before God and to say to me, you're going to trust him and follow him in your life today. Just slip your hand in the air. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we love you. I just thank you for each person reaching out to you and pray you'll watch over them, protect them, bless them in their lives as they follow you. Give all of us strength and give us faith to basically face our fear and live in your hope and walk in your hope and in your peace. I thank you for all that you provide in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life today.